0: Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Bibles, right, join me today and go to Matthew chapter nine. Go to Matthew chapter nine, beginning at verse one. If you don't mind, stand to your feet. Matthew chapter nine, beginning at verse one. We like to stand. Just to honor the word of God that God has given us. And if you don't mind, if you could just repeat after me after you go go into Matthew chapter 9. Say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. Renewing me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said. Amen. Matthew chapter nine, beginning at verse one. I'm going to only read two verses for you today. They're found in the new American standard Bible. If you don't have your Bible, don't feel bad. You can read along on the screen. We thank God for technology. Can we give God a hand clap of appreciation for technology? Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter nine, beginning at verse one. uh, And this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, getting into the boat, Jesus crossed over to the sea And came to his own city, verse 2, and they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. For a moment today, as we kick off this brand new series entitled Heart of Compassion, I want to talk to you from the subject title, The Requirements of Compassion. The Requirements of Compassion, you may be seated on today. The Requirements of Compassion compassion. A couple of weeks ago as I was preparing for this series, uh, my mother-in-law who is not able to be with us today, she's traveling, she reached out to me and asked me if I didn't mind doing her a favor. Now whenever my mother-in-law asks me for a favor, I always have to second guess because I don't know the parameters of that favor. But she does so much for me that it's hard for me ever to say no to her. So if my mother-in-law asked me for a favor, it means that it's something that she really does need, and therefore I need to do my best to be there for however I can. And so she asked me, Chris, can you do me a favor? I didn't know what the favor was. I had been at work all day. I, had, I was tired. It was at 101 degrees, 102 degrees. It was just not a good day for favors. But yet and still, because she's always been there for me when I needed her, I wanted to be there for her when she needed me. And so she asked me, Chris, can you do me a favor? You remember Michael. You remember Michael, my next door neighbor, the guy that was up the street. He visited our church a couple of times. He really enjoyed it being a part of our ministry when we was in Dallas. Michael, he got shot. He got shot three times. He was shot twice in the head, once in the chest, and, and he's really he's really doing bad. He's recovering, but he's doing bad. He's, he's had to have some surgery, and we've had to place him into this aftercare because the hospital has released him, but he's not ready yet to go home. The problem is that Chris Michael has had no one to groom him. Michael has had no one to take care of him. Uh, his hair has grown wild. His his face, facial hair is all over the place. And she says, simply said, Chris, I know that you cut her, you cut Isaiah her, you cut your nephew her. If you can do me a favor and come and cut Michael's hair. I told my mother-in-law I didn't, I didn't have my tools. I don't have my clippers there at home in Cedar Hill. Can I get with him tomorrow? And she was like, you know what, I would really like for you to do it today. And she went to her room. My mother-in-law, uh, she's not a hoarder, she's a collector. She's not a hoarder, she's a collector. Uh, and she said, I got some clippers I bought at a garage sale. And I was like, mom, why did you buy some clippers at a garage sale? You don't even cut her. And she says, well, you never know when you might need them. And, and so she, she brings me these clippers and they're a little older Clippers. They they but they look like they can do the trick. I say, okay, well, I might just need some all. Let me let me see what I can do. So we stop by the beauty supply. We get the all. We head to the aftercare nursing home where they're keeping Michael. And 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 I don't know about you, but it's one thing to walk in a hospital, but it's something else to walk into a nursing home. It, it smells different. It feels different. It, it it's just this feeling that comes over you, and uh, instantly when you cross the threshold. Like, this this place is different than any other place. So we began to walk the halls, and I, I see people who are missing legs. I see people who are drooling from their mouth that, that barely can take care of themselves. I just see all of these different type of people. And then I make it to Michael's room. And I see Michael. I wish I had the picture with me today. I see Michael. Laying in the bed. This is, this, is, this is Michael. Man, this dude had so much energy. He was always want to run around watching people cars, showing people love, hugging, high-fiving. He, he, he would lift things. He would do things. But here I see Michael laying in the bed, unable to even lift himself up. And the thing that, that, that got me most of all when I seen Michael was the fact that they had to remove half of his skull just to reduce the swelling of his brain. And i and tell you, I was nervous as all outdoors getting ready to cut Michael's hair. I, I, I'm nervous enough cutting my own son's hair, but here I am going to have to cut a man's hair who has a scar that's at least six inches big in his head. He, he's missing half of his skull. But yet and still, he needs this. He's asking for this. This is a request that he made that he wanted. And so what I had to do is I said, Michael, well, all I need you to do is tell me if it hurts. If there's any part of you that hurts when I'm cutting your hair, let me know. And I don't care how long it's going to take me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you this, man, I cut Michael's hair. It probably took me about 30 minutes lifting him, making sure that because I had to cut him while he was laying in his bed. But when I was doing it, I was cutting his hair and I was shaving his face. Again, I had already been working on preparing this series on compassion. God had already laid it on me to have a heart of compassion. And you know what? God told me in that moment while I was taking care of Michael that this is compassion. He says in that moment when I'm cutting this hair this is compassion why because you're going out of your way to do something for somebody else that needs you but can't give anything back to you this is compassion I couldn't help but to think of how over and over in the Bible it says that God was moved by compassion Christ was moved by compassion the fact that God gave us Jesus Christ, was moved off his compassion through his love. And he says, listen, I'm going to do something for you that you can't even do, to you, do for yourself because you need me to, even though there's nothing you can give back to me. And so I believe that now is a great time as we move forward in this series called Compassion to talk about this because I believe that one of the many flaws of Christians and the church today is that we lack compassion. We lack compassion. I don't know how many of you follow the news, but here recently uh, President Donald Trump had a meeting with a group of pastors asking them to come so that they can talk about uh, reforms of that, that affect our penitentiary system, that affects incarceration. They wanted to do more to keep people from going in and out of prison. And the thing was that these pastors went with a hope that they were actually going to make a difference, not knowing that all they were doing was coming for a photo shoot. The, the laws, the, the policies had already been put in place, and all they had was a 30-minute window to introduce themselves and take pictures with the president. It was a prop that what took place. And what bothered me is that the fact of how the Christian church and media attacked those pastors, they should have known better. They should have done better. They thought that they were doing the best that they could possibly do to share the gospel. And and one of my favorite pastors, Pastor John Gray, he he got up there and he spoke and he said, Listen, man, I did what I felt like I could do. People tell me I should not be in the presence of President Trump. But the truth of the matter is God tells us to go where it's wrong. God tells us to go where they need us the most. So what type of Christian are we to say that we don't want to go and do God's will? I believe that's why the church isn't growing today. I believe that's why the kingdom isn't growing today, why people aren't giving their lives to Christ because here it is as Christians we are supposed to be ambassadors of Christ which means we're supposed to resemble him we're supposed to represent him but if Christ is a representation of compassion how is it that we show compassion to people we do nothing but talk about people we judge people we put people down we want to alienate them if they don't look like us we don't want to worship with them we don't want to love on them we don't want to help them we don't want to reach out to them all of this but we Call ourselves Christians. I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 that if you are a representation of Christ, if you are a believer, that you should put on a heart of compassion. In other words, you have to represent Christ to your fullest ability. So I know that that we should always be intentional intentional about sharing compassion, but my hope is if we can focus on the month of August being a month of compassion, then maybe, just maybe, if we do it long enough, it will become a natural habit for us as a group of people, as a group of believers, to be compassionate towards people who need compassion. And so today I want to take the opportunity to talk about the requirements of compassion, Because I don't want you to leave here thinking that you got to give a dollar to everybody that you see. I want to make sure that you understand what does it really mean to be compassionate? What does it really mean to be a representation of Christ? That's why we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And what I want you to see is that in this text, Jesus enters his city by way of ship. He comes in. He gets off. And the Bible says that a group of men carried to him this man that is a paralytic, that is lying in a bed. He carried them to Jesus in order for Jesus to do something miraculous in his life. The text says that Jesus sees their faith. I want to make sure that you understand he's not talking about the man that's lying on the bed. He's talking about the group of men who have picked him up, carried him to the Messiah. He sees their faith, and as a result of seeing their faith, he does something miraculous in this man's life. He heals this man. He says, my son, from this day you're made whole. I want you to look at this text from the flip angle. I know we read it from the point of Jesus coming and the healing comes, but I want you to see something. A man needed healing, but he was paralyzed. He could not move. He was bedridden. A group of men saw the man that needed healing that was in a bed. They realized that Jesus was coming. They took it upon themselves to pick the man up. Take him to Jesus. Before the man can get his healing, people had to do something. Before some of the people that we know and encounter in our lives can ever receive a transformation, that can ever receive a change, that can ever get the better part of their life, we have to do something. We as a church oftentimes, and not just talking about Believer City, the church as a whole, we're sitting around and waiting for the right people who got it all together to walk through the door. When the church is uniquely designed to be made up of broken people who came to Christ, who got it all together, and now that they got it all together, they are an assembly of believers that can go out and get what? More broken people. In other words, we need some crackheads to get right so they can go out and get some more crackheads. We need some ex-cons to get right so they can go out and get some more ex-cons. We need some liars, some stealers, some cheaters, some womanizers. We need all those jacked up people say, you know what, Lord, I need your compassion. Lord, I need your favor. But they never want to walk through the door because they're worried about what people are going to say about them. They're worried about how people are going to look at them. The church should be the one place that is full of compassion, that is full of love. The church should be the one place where somebody can walk through the door and you're not grabbing your purse super tight. Where you don't have to worry about people looking at you because everybody is focused on God. This is what happens in the text. Compassion is being showed. A miracle does take place, but I want to make sure that you understand how compassion is being showed. There's a couple of principles that I want to make sure that you walk away here from today when it comes to understanding what is the requirement of compassion. The first thing is that we have to understand is compassion requires you to realize a person's problem, but recognize their potential. I need you to really allow that to take root in your life. We all have problems, but what makes us different is that we can look past our problems and identify our potential. Can you understand that some people are so down on their luck? That some people are going through so much at some point in time in their life. They're broke, they're hungry, their relationship isn't right. There's so many different things that can happen in your life that requires you to show compassion. But people can be so down. And the thing is that when we look at them, all we see is who they are now. And that's why many of us don't move forward with sharing compassion. It's because all we see is who they are now. We don't see who they can become. And as a result of not seeing who they can become, we don't do anything to help their situation now because we're judging them off of who we see now. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that God did not judge me off he's seen who he's seen then. I hadn't always had it right. I hadn't always been faithful. I hadn't always been able to preach the gospel and stand before people and, and honor God in my day-to-day life. There was a time where I was the worst hellion that any of y'all could have possibly ever seen. But God seemed past who I was then because he knew the potential that I could have now. Compassion requires you to identify that a person has a problem, but to recognize Their potential. This is why many of us pass by homeless people day to day on the street and not willing to help them. We see they have a problem, but we don't recognize their potential. My wife shared with me a story about a homeless man. She's seen this on YouTube or Facebook or something. A homeless man was going for a job interview at McDonald's. He was going for a job interview at McDonald's. Police officer knew he was going through a job interview at McDonald's. He had some time before his shift or in between his shifts, whatever it was. And the homeless man, he, he, he was able to go to a shelter, get a nice little outfit to wear for the, for the job interview, but his hair, his face was still looking a mess. He couldn't shave himself pro- properly. He was a little older man. And so what ends up happening, he couldn't see himself, so he couldn't shave himself properly. So the police officer shaved the man for him. He, he shaved the man for him so that he can go to the interview and get the job. See, the police officer knew that he was homeless, but he knew that something was inside of him Had potential. And so, what it required for him to do is to go out of his way and assist him so that he can tap into his true potential. Many of us don't realize that somebody just needs you to show them a little bit of love so they can tap into their potential. Uh, not not pointing your finger at them, not talking bad about them, not talking behind their back, not hanging up, not avoiding their phone call, but show them a little bit of love. I want to help you. If it hadn't been working for the last 10 years, why keep trying? There are some people in our lives that we've been trying to see some transformation in, some change. There are some people that we have given up on. And the thing is that we've given up on them because our way has not worked. That's the problem. It's not supposed to be your way. We've talked about this over again. It's God's way. You are a vessel that's called to be utilized by God. In other words, when you face situations, when you face obstacles, when you face people who need you, stop asking what would you do and say what would God do. God, what is it that you would have me to do? Because I can promise you that people are put in your path for a purpose. I mean, those people that get on your nerves on the job, but you see them going through and they need for somebody to show them a little bit of compassion, it's your turn. I don't care how much they talked about you behind your back. I don't care how much they've done you wrong, how much they've given you the shifts that you didn't want, how much they've held you back. And this time they need compassion because through your compassion, they see Christ. After all, you are an ambassador. You are a representation of Christ. Just a little bit of compassion can go a long way. So these men, these men, they see this man that is paralyzed, but they recognize his potential. If I can get him to somebody who can fix him, he can do much more for himself than I can ever do for him. So they see his true potential. And so that brings us to the second point. Not only do we have to understand that when, we, when we're dealing with, uh, 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 when, we're recognizing, when we're recognizing compassion, not only do we have to understand that we realize a person's problem, but we have to understand point two. Compassion requires you to realize that you, your ability can influence others' inability. Compassion requires you to realize that your ability can influence others' inability. In the text, The inability was that this man could not walk. He could not walk. Jesus was coming. It was not that he didn't have a desire to be healed. It was not that he didn't have a desire to change. It was not that he did not have a desire to encounter Jesus. But the problem was that he was unable to walk. So no matter how much he wanted better, his current situation, his current inability hindered him from getting better. But this is why God blesses you, because he blesses you with an ability that can influence someone else's inability. Catch this. These men came together collectively, picked up this man who was paralyzed, bedridden, and carried him to Jesus. What was their ability? Their ability was that they could walk, they could do what he couldn't do for himself. Can I help you understand today that sometimes people are in your life that need you because simply God knows that they would need you? Can I help you understand that God has given you the ability to help them through their inability so that through your ability they can see Christ? It's the reason that you got it halfway together. I say halfway together because none of us got it all way together. It's a reason that you look the way you do. It's the reason why you got a call. It's a reason why somebody calls you and they need help. Because there's an ability that God has given within you to assist someone else's inability. To help someone else where they have fallen short. To be the light. That's what the text calls us to do. Be the light of the world. So in order for me to be the light of the world, guess what has to happen? There has to be darkness somewhere. If there was no darkness, there would be no point for me to be the light. So if, if, no, if I'm going to have it together, somebody around me has to not have it together. Somebody around me has to go through it. So, so stop talking about people at your family reunions. That's in the same situation that they've been in the five years. Why don't you show them something different? Show them something different. So what, they got five kids by five different men. Show them something different. They still living, so there's still a chance for them. Truth be told, some of us just got lucky it wasn't us. But we want to be so judgmental. So what, they done been divorced twice You still in a marriage that ain't barely working now. You just faking it around everybody else. But we refuse to show compassion. These men realize that their ability, that their blessing, was so that they can help somebody else that was suffering. This is why many of us fail to be blessed. This is why God doesn't see what we do. It's because we're so selfish with what God has given us. I mean, it's me too. Don't, don't feel bad. You're not the only one that, that drives down 35, exit pokes, see people with signs, roll up your window, lock your doors, act like you're changing the station on. You're not the only one. I've done it. I've done it. All of a sudden, pick up your phone, acting like you got to. I've done it. I've, I've done it. But you know what? We have a responsibility to show people compassion. Again, I'm not telling you to, to roll down your window and give everybody a dollar. We'll be broke. But you have to use discernment. Sometimes God really does want you to reach out and help somebody. And the truth of the matter is that the reason why many of us won't give is because we're worried about what we're going to do, when we, what they're going to do when we give it to them. Did you see that happening in the text? Did these men say, well, what are you going to do if we take you to Jesus and you get your healing? What's going to happen? That's not what they did. They seen somebody who was hurting. They seen one somebody who was not whole. They see somebody who needed help. And they says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do my part. Because what I'm doing for you is not about what you can do for me. That's how you know that you're really being Compassionate. Is because when you go out of your way to do something for somebody else and realize that they can't do anything else for you, you do it in a way that's not expecting a return. Loaning somebody $5 expecting $10 back is not compassion. That's a loan. (laughs) That's Rita business right there. (laughs) But when you're able to give somebody something and say, you know what, I'm not even worried about getting it back. It's amazing because a lady hit my car, my Tahoe, uh, a couple of weeks ago. She hit my car and uh, left a nice little scratch on it. I was able to take it somewhere and get it fixed for nothing because of the business that I'm in. Uh, she was like, well, I mean, I just want to at least give you what my deductible would be, would be $500. And I was like, all right, cool. It was almost two months ago, really, two months ago. And I was like, all right, fine, give me give me the deductible. That's fine, I'll just give it to my church as a as a donation. For two months, she's been reaching out to me, Pastor, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get it together. I want to do my best for you. My family's going through this. And I'm like, okay, cool, no problem. After all, it didn't cost me anything to fix it. There was a part of me that wanted to collect this $500 just to to keep it and give it to the church. But then there was a conviction inside of me, it costs you nothing to fix your car. So even though she made a mistake and it costs you nothing to fix your car, why don't you show her compassion? She's a single mother, She's trying to make it. Summer uh, daycare is kicking her tail right now. So why don't you try to let her make it? And so she, she donated $20 to the church online. She, and she was so happy. She was like, Pastor, I finally got $20. I sent it to the church. And I was like, man, thank you. And I sent her a message right back saying, thank you for your 20. Anything you give to the church from this point on, let it be spirit-led. You owe me nothing. And I made sure to include including in my Tahoe, the license plates, I will not pursue your insurance. I'm totally clear. And the woman was just ecstatic because somebody showed them compassion. She was in the wrong. She did wrong. She was not paying attention, but she was in a situation where she could not make up for it. I can't help but to think about how we as believers are always in a situation that we cannot make. I don't care how much we say, God, I'm sorry. We can never make up for our sins. We can never make up for what we've done wrong. We can never catch up, even after the fact we've accepted Christ. We can never catch up. That's why he says, I love you so much that I'm going to give you the ultimate sacrifice to just clear the whole thing. I'm going to show you compassion because my ability has the power to influence your inability. You can't make it right. But I can make it right. You can't feed yourself, but I'm going to feed you. You can't clothe yourself, but I'm going to clothe you. This is why I believe that God gives the church the ultimate responsibility to be the light. This is why the, the church has the responsibility to preach gospel, to recover sight to the blind. This is why the church has this, because we are supposed to be focusing on the people who can't take care of themselves. But somehow the church has got it all backwards. If you don't look good. You can't act good. You know good for the church. You can't sing on key. You can't be a part of the praise team. We, we didn't got it all to the point. <laughs> we didn't got it all to the point where everything has to be perfect. When was perfect the replacement for imperfection? God said because of your imperfection that what's going to be your replacement is not for you to act perfect, but for you to accept that which is perfect. In other words, you still, after the fact, accepting Christ will be jacked up. You still going to have problems. You still going to slip and tell a lie. You still going to slip and get drunk. You still going to be messed up. But the goal is for you to try to be right through Christ. For you to have the conviction of Christ in your life. So the thing is, if some of us can take off these blindfolds and quit acting like nobody sees our stank. I mean, yeah, we come looking good. Yeah, nobody sees what happens in your private life except what you post on Facebook. But the truth is, Uh each one of us got some stank about our life. Each one of us got some things that we're jacked up about. And I promise you this, if we can be to the point where we can be a little bit more vulnerable, then maybe we can help somebody else. There's a young lady that that would love to come to church right now that's thinking about having an abortion, but they're worried about what somebody's going to say about them because they've had premarital sex. Somebody right now that needs Christ, needs somebody to pray for them and hug them, but they're they worried about what you're going to say about because they, they smell a certain type of way. What is it about you that if people knew, they wouldn't want to sit next to you in the church? There's somebody in here right now, whether you want to admit it or not, that's addicted to porn. There's somebody in here right now that has a drug addiction that, that might not even tell nobody. Drinking problems. And if people knew it, they wouldn't want to sit to you next to you. But the problem is that you're good at hiding your flaw. But I ask you, is it better to hide it or better to re- reveal it? If you reveal it, then maybe somebody else can help you. Maybe somebody can show you compassion. But because you're so busy hiding it and covering it up, it's the problem. I remember when I was a kid, (laughs) this is the greatest lie a parent could ever tell a kid. (laughs) I remember when I was a kid, my mom and dad used to tell me, I love you, dad. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I I remember they used to always tell me, if you tell me the truth, I won't whoop you. But if you tell me a lie, I'm going to whoop you. And, and, And I tried it one time. And that was all I needed after that one time. I told the truth and still got a whoop and I was lying about everything. You just, you just going to have to catch me. It's just that, it's just that simple. Because, because of the fact that, but what I realized when I got to a certain point was when I did start being honest about what I had done, the disciplinary action was a little bit different. There was a little bit more compassion shown because they didn't have to do the research to find out. But when I tried to hide it, and cover it up, the work that they had to put in, they was going to get that work back out. (laughs) They was going to get all that back out. And so it was easier for me to reveal it and to be honest. Listen, Dad, I messed up. Me and the teacher got into it at school. And then there would be conversations. I might lose something, but I wouldn't have to jump over the bed and and act like I was crying. I wouldn't have to go through all that. He, He would spend time with me. He would correct me in a different type of manner because I was upfront and honest with us. Some of us have yet to receive healing for things that we're going through in our lives. Some of us have yet to receive del- deliverance for things we're going through in our lives because when God said, come unto me and you've accepted Christ, there were some things that you buried, you put in your pocket and you said, Jesus, I'm coming to you, but I don't want to show you this. And the thing is that he, he's seen it already. He already knows everything about you. And the thing is, he, he, he wants you to come, come unto me, those who are heavy laden. Come unto me, those with with burdens. He wants you to bring that unto him. He says, cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he, he cares for you. And I believe that many of us can't share compassion because we've yet to experience the compassion of Christ. We've yet to experience the true love of God by saying yes to him and giving him everything that we are. And this is, because of, uh, this is because of the third problem. The third problem, not only do we have to understand problem number one, compassion requires you to realize a person's problem but to recognize their potential. Problem number two, compassion requires you to realize the ability, uh, that your ability can influence their ability. But number three tells you compassion requires you to realize people need an answer but you can't be their answer. People need an answer but you can't be their answer. Catch this, the men in the Bible knew that this man was paralyzed. Being that he was paralyzed, there was places he needed to go, there was things that he needed to do. He needed to be fed, he needed to be bathed, he needed all of these things. Instead of these men saying, "Let me take care of you for the rest of your life." they said, "Let me get you to somebody who can." The reason why some of us get so conf- so frustrated and confused when we're helping people is because we think that we're being compassionate. But really what we're doing is we're becoming controlling. We're not being compassionate. We're we're becoming controlling. Why? Because we think, because I'm doing for you, you have to do what I want you to do. You have to be who I want you to be. So in essence, you try to become their answer to their problem. Every time somebody needs gas money, you're giving them gas money, and then you want to control how they use their car. You're trying to be the answer. Can I help you? When you're trying to be somebody's answer, when you're always trying to bail someone out, you are trying to be their God. And this is why so many people never get to know God for themselves, is they're so caught up with somebody else being their God so I want you to understand that if we're required to be compassionate, compassionate does not require you to be controlling. Being compassionate does not require you to be their God. Giving does not require you to be their God. And everything about compassion is not monetary. Sometimes people need prayer. Sometimes people need you to cover them while they go to a closet and cry and just make sure nobody sees them. Compassion comes in different ways. Sometimes people just need somebody not to talk about them today. But whatever it is that they need, the objective is not for you to be their God. You are not to be the answer for their problems. Anything you can do for them is only temporary. These men lifted him up, carried him to Jesus. Them carrying him was temporary. Eventually, Jesus needed to heal him so that he can walk and be in motion by himself. If they were feeding him, Their feeding him was temporary. At least they needed the answer so that he can get to a point and feed himself. They did what they can do for them to get him to where he needed to be. That's what compassion is. As Christians, as believers, when we leave this place, this is not a message about me, 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 me. This is about a message of you understanding how me is supposed to affect everybody else. How I'm supposed to make a difference. The Bible says that when Jesus left, he told the disciples, all power, everything that has been given unto me, I'm given unto you. So the whole identity of Jesus Christ has been given unto his people, which what? Gives you the responsibility to be the living, walking examples of Christ. People don't hurt the ch- hate the church because of what God has done to them. People hate the church, hate the church because of what people who represent God has done to them. You hear it all the time. I ain't going to get that church none of my money, man. That preacher bought a Cadillac with my money. They, they worried about what somebody has done to hurt them. Oh, that deacon was sleeping with such and such. And all of these things that people have done, jacked up people who were hiding their problems, uh-huh. who didn't get fixed, have hurt people and pushed people away. Uh-huh. That's the truth. And the reason why they had to hide their problems is because the generation before them wouldn't show them compassion. Whenever there's a generation that doesn't show the next generation compassion, there's always breeding a problem. Because there's people, as our desire, our desire is always going to be wanting to be accepted by our peers. Wanting to be accepted by our parents. So because I want to be loved, because I want to be accepted, I'm going to come and I'm going to be a part of whatever y'all are part of, but I'm not going to tell you my true problems. This is why we're not seeing people delivered. This is why we're not seeing people experience the fullness of God. People being made whole because of the simple fact that we have bred a faith, a no, not even a faith, a religion that is built off of a lie. That you got to have everything together to walk through these doors. When we go evangelize, we got to go to the prettiest neighborhoods because we only want the people who can sow in and do the best. When we're supposed to be going after the less, Jesus never went after the rich folks. He always said it, man, it's going to be harder for them to get into heaven. He went after some hard day-to-day laboring folks, fishermen, carpenters. He went out to the people who were struggling. Look at what happened when he pulled in his first disciples, when he got Simon Peter. Simon Peter had a rough day. He didn't catch no fish. (laughs) And Jesus said, let me have some compassion on old Simon Peter. Let me use his boat. He could have used anybody else's boat. But he says, let me use his boat. God wants to do some things through you. But I want to make sure that you understand something. In order for God to do some things through you, you have to be willing to allow allow him to utilize you for the benefit of others. If you don't realize anything else, everything that God does for us, to us, through us, is so that he can get the glory. In other words, God loves an audience. So sometimes you have to ask yourself, God, why am I not experiencing the most that you have for me? Could it possibly be because you're not putting yourself in a position where he has an audience? What do you mean where he has an audience? A group of people who need to see what God can do. Not people who have it all together. Not people who can say, high five your neighbor. I'm talking about people who are jacked up, who need to see what God can do through you. Because it's with that audience that he's able to work through you because you have a relationship with him that they don't have. And as a result of it, they see how God has blessed you, and then what? They want to come. Our life is about kingdom building, not just church building, not, not just about personal financial building. Our life is about kingdom building. We should make a difference. And so as we as a church move forward for the next month, I'm praying that we move forward with acts of compassion. When you see people in your day-to-day life, I thought about making some cards about the church and saying, hey, you've just received an act of compassion. Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship did that. It was a great movement. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I don't want to do that because it's not about the church. It's about you understanding what God can do through you if you allow God to. Again, I'm not telling you to go find everybody and bless them, but you know when you're in a place and God speaks to you, and he says, speak to this person, pray for this person, give this person a hug, give this person some money, person at McDonald's struggling to find enough change, give them the change. You, you, You know when God has said it. And I want to challenge you for the next month to every time God speaks to you, for you to move on his compassion, for you to move on his love, do it. And watch how God begins to open doors. If it's not for the opening doors of more people coming into the church, watch how God begins to bless you personally because of the fact that you are a living, walking example. Watch how you begin to have the more opportunity to share who God is to people because you are a living, walking example of who God is.